Well, today we're wrapping up our Ephesians series. It's uh, hopefully not been too long a journey uh, for everybody, um, but I think we've been trying to unpack the book as best we can. And of course, there's absolutely loads in there. And while we've probably slipped into slightly longer preaches as we've got towards the end, um, we've kind of tried to fit it into 15, 20 minute slots at most. And that's really challenging because most verses have enough to unpack for a whole series on their own, let alone trying to do a sequence of verses in 15 minutes. When we started out, we looked at the book of Ephesians and we talked about this idea that it was read out, that it was listened to by a group of people. And what was being received was life-changing. It was transformative. And they got from the heart of this apostle the revelation of the mystery of the goodness of God and all that he's been doing. And so we, we start to understand a bit more of what God's plan is in the earth. He unpacks this revelation he's received by Holy Spirit for us. And it's exciting and it's dynamic. And it's an amazing picture of the goodness of God. Now I'm going to attempt the clicker and we'll see how we get on. Paul starts off with this amazing picture of how God has blessed us. And he's blessed us in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing that's going in Christ. And so he sets the framework for the rest of the letter. He sets the context of your life and mine. It's based in the goodness of God towards us and his blessing. And then the next big thing that he unpacks throughout the book is the fact that the church is his dwelling place. It is his instrument in the world. And we'll unpack that a little bit later. As we got into chapter 6, we started to see the, the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit powered church pushing back evil and seeing the representation of Christ on earth, the extension of the kingdom of God on earth. And so we have both the intimacy of personal blessing, but we also have the commission of authority and rule under the lordship and headship of Christ in this world. And so Paul positions us to not only have that intimacy and that blessing, but also to recognise that we are world changers, that we are here to function as the representatives of Christ himself and see the kingdom of darkness pushed back. There are three things, four things that I want us to have a look at specifically. I want us to look at how Ephesians reveals Christ to us and who he is. Then I want us to look at how Ephesians reveals Holy Spirit and his work amongst us as a people and who he is in us and for us. Then we're going to look briefly at who the Father is, the the kind of the background figure in it all. And then we're going to look at us, who we are 
as an overview of Ephesians. Paul sets the framework very early on and he talks about how Christ is majestic. He is above all and over all. We believe that he wrote the book of Colossians before Ephesians and that was being distributed around the churches. And it's there that he talks about how Christ is the first. He is preeminent. He is above everything. That he was there in the order of creation. He precedes creation and he precedes the fall and everything that happened to humanity and his purposes are being worked out. And he wraps up history. Christ is the one who redeems. He is the one who saves. He is the one who pays the very price himself for the restoration of humanity back into relationship with God. And he is the one in authority over everything. Paul positions Christ as the highest authority. He sets the framework for the church. He sets the framework for our lives and says, there is no greater authority over you. There is no greater authority over you. It is only Christ. It is only him. And he is so very good. And so whatever we find rules our hearts and our minds must submit to that authority of the kindness of our king. Paul positions Jesus as being the one who is victorious over death, victorious over hell, and he reigns as king. And this is a dynamic and active ruling and reign. This isn't a distant, far-off power that has no effect. He is more effective in transforming the world than the injections we've been having of late. If you imagine how freedom comes because we've been vaccinated and we can connect again, how much more effective is the death of Jesus Christ in us being connected back into God and back in right relationship with him and the possibility of restoration in relationship between the people and peoples of the world. It is more effective, more effective. And so we want to see that worked out wherever we are. And the amazing thing for us is that we see that he pours out his spirit. He pours out his life through the church. Paul talks about the mystery of the church. And that this is the great mystery revealed to him. That it is you. It is you through whom he is pouring out his life into the world. And he is active in it. Remember, he's the peacemaker. He's the one that tears down walls of division and enables Jew and Gentile to come together where there were a whole structure of rules and regulations to keep apart. He breaks that down and destroys it. He enables peace where there was no peace. This is the mystery of the church. He's the cornerstone. He defines the church 
through his life and his death, through his sacrifice. He defines it all. He defines what the church looks like and how it behaves. He defines us as a people together. And it all comes through him. Our strength, our ability to walk the walk he calls us to comes from him. We are to be rooted and grounded in him. We are to find ourselves in him. He is the treasure within which unsearchable riches are found. He maintains the position of being our one pursuit, which as Paul says is to know him. It's his great yearning out of everything else. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. He is my pursuit. He is the beginning and the end. He's the one I'm going after. And it's in the going after of him that the other stuff happens. He is the indweller of our hearts. And he secures us in the love of God. He enables us to have confidence as we approach the throne of grace. And so there is a ease in the relationship with Almighty God because Christ speaks to us of the amazing love of the Father. Jesus is the one who gives gifts to the church of apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors. He gives the gift of evangelism. He breathes on us. And as we'll see a bit later, we are his workmanship. So he breathes on you. He gifts you. He's the one who enables and strengthens He puts us together, a royal priesthood, stone upon stone, into that royal household. He builds his church. Jesus is at work amongst us. He is the victor who's broken hell's ability to keep people captive. He's done it. He has done it. He's the only one in history to be able to say that hell, that Satan has no claim in him at all. He's the only one who's lived a perfect life. And he sacrificed that so that we might be covered by his righteousness and say, Hell has no claim in me. Satan has no claim. And Jesus has spoken very clearly. And just before his crucifixion, he says, the ruler of this world is to be thrown out. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He does that through you now. His church. He does that through you. 
through the outworking of you, your personality, who you are, his gifting given to you, the ministry that you carry in the workplace and the home, in friendships. He is at work in you. This is Paul's message. You, the church, are the dynamic vehicle. You are the instrument of the purposes of God to see hell push back and the kingdom of God come in. You are it. You are it. He gets into the detail of our lives. He is the model for husbands, unselfishly giving himself to enhance his bride, his church, sacrificing himself for the benefit of another Jesus is the Lord who is mighty in battle. We don't take up the sword of the Spirit and we don't pray on our own. For the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Christ petitions before the throne of God on our behalf. He forever intercedes for us. And he stands there in his righteousness as a testimony to those that believe that we might stand before the throne of God and pray prayers of victory to see the kingdom of God come. To pray according to the Father's will that we will see his will enacted on earth as it is in heaven. And so he stands and we stand covered in his righteousness able to present ourselves as pure and holy because of Christ. Positioned for victory in him. The Holy Spirit is revealed in this book as the one who comes and seals us in relationship with God. And he authorises us to represent Christ in the earth. He's the revealer who enlightens our hearts to perceive God's purposes. He expands our vision. He enables us to see again what it is that God is up to. He empowers us and gives us the strength we need within for the journey. He fights for us for the spirit of unity desiring to sustain the bond of peace amongst the body. Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness who can be grieved by our insistence on doing the wrong things. And it's in that dynamic where we see in the middle of the book, Paul talks about our lifestyle and our decisions and what we do in relationship with one another that we feel this call of Holy Spirit to once again put the other one first. Not easy. It's not diff- it's not, it can be really difficult. But it's the thing he calls us to. He is the fountain from which we are continually filled. He calls us to be filled all of the instructions Paul puts out there, all the framework he presents is an indication of what is our inheritance in Christ. 
And he calls us to be filled so we're empowered to walk in it. We are not left as the world leaves us as orphans, Jesus says. But I will send you another like me, the Holy Spirit, who will walk alongside, enable and strengthen you in your core being, that you will never be alone and you will know his goodness and his kindness and you will be strengthened by him. And we see that God is our armourer. He's the one who equips us for battle. He is our heavenly assistant. He's the one who helps us and intercedes with us until victory is won as we fight in prayer and with the word of God, the Logos and the Rema word. Our Father is revealed in Ephesians. He stands in the background almost. But from the very beginning of chapter 1, we see that the Father is there present, communicating blessing to the church, both through the redemptive act of Christ and the breaking down of walls, but also his heart is revealed to us. He desires to now be amongst his people again to strengthen and bless his children and empower us to display his glory. The glory of God is referred to eight times in this letter from Paul. And his glory is his exceeding excellence of God's love, his wisdom and his power being displayed in the earth. We have a slide, don't we, at the beginning of our meetings where we talk about a family of God in the presence of God displaying the glory of God. It is referring to us as a people displaying the excellence of God's love, his wisdom and his power. As Paul says, I didn't come preaching with just words, but I came preaching with the gospel and with power. And so he calls us to come into our communities, into this world around us and bring the message of Christ, not just a preach, but a message with power to see the lost recovered, to see the broken healed, to see the captive freed and the prisoner released. This is the father who is quite in the background of Ephesians, but we feel his heartbeat and his love coming through. And of course, we're revealed in it. We are the objects of God's affection. Paul discloses the amazing blessings that we've received in Christ Jesus the grace of God towards us, the awesome dimensions of spiritual authority that we carry, that we have authority over evil according to the power that is at work in us. And he wants us to walk in that victory. He wants us to walk in that authority as we pray, as we love our neighbour, as we engage with our communities. He wants us to understand where we're seated, how we're positioned, 
You are not on the back foot, church. You are not a retreating church from the world. You are a church that takes ground. You are a church that has the victory absolutely won. And now on the surface of the earth are skirmishes where Satan seeks to undermine what has been won. But the gates of hell will not prevail over the church. You are victorious. You carry in you the victory of Christ. And he seeks to have you display that wherever you go. We are his workmanship. What a beautiful picture where we know he works in us and on us to do the things that he calls us to. That's like the, the, the clay on the potter's wheel as we relinquish ourselves to his touch to form us, to knock off the stuff that he needs to knock off us and form us into Christ-likeness. We are positioned for victory to see Jesus glorified in the world. We're positioned already for victory. And what Paul teaches us is that we will see greater filling of the Holy Spirit. We will see greater expression of his kingdom as we obey what God has asked us to do. As we follow his ordinances, his instructions for our relationships with one another and how we live our private personal lives. God says, if you obey me in this, you'll see my overflow into the world and my kingdom come and extended. We're positioned for victory in Christ. So if you're in groups or going to hang around on Zoom in groups, can I just encourage you to ask yourself the question or later on this week in community groups, do you see yourselves differently now because of what we've heard in the message of Ephesians? Has anything changed? Are you now newly aware of your position in Christ, the authority you carry, the intimacy and blessings of God on your life and the authority of the church to see his kingdom come. I bless you as you explore that this week. I'm going to hand over to the team. Thank you.